welcome to the Gatecast and our journey through the Stargate, through SG-1, Atlantis and Stargate Universe. Destiny. The design is clearly ancient, launched hundreds of thousands of years ago. We are on a ship, but we have no idea where we are in relation to Earth. These are the wrong people in the wrong place. Sure did. Why'd you do that? He told me to. I have a gun. What happened? Greer. Greer shot him. Each week, Alan and Mike will be following the adventures of the crew of the Destiny, along with one or two guest hosts. Join us for everything that is Stargate Universe. Hello, slightly harried from me, afternoon, and welcome to GateCast episode 312. And I believe I was asked to introduce the guests first. No. No? No. No, that's the way you've been doing it for the past five years. Okay. I asked you to do the opposite. All right. This is part two of the feature-length three-part opening for Stargate Universe Air. Now do we do the guests? Yes, Alan, we can do the guests now. Guests? Awkward bleeder at times. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Steve. Welcome back, Jeff. Hey. <laughs> Since this will be airing a week after the other one, you want to introduce yourself again? Steve first. Hi, I'm Steve. Hey, I'm Jeff. Lovely. We won't go into too many details. I'm pretty sure people will remember you. You made a pretty good impression from last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, of course it did. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> okay, then, folks, we're going to jump straight into this. Alan will do his three, two, one countdown. If you do want to watch this as a separate episode and not as a full two feature length episode, we are currently staring at uh, the delightful Amanda Tapping with a very strange expression on her face. She looks like the constipated. Yes, it looks like she's been surprised in a bad way. Mm. <laughs> it's just an FYI if we're doing things that we've been doing incorrectly for five years. I say clicky, I never say click. <laughs> and I'm okay. prepared to stand over that. I'm sure you can pull up one or two examples where I might say click, but that was probably when I was still drinking. Well, our Gatecast official mouse mat I've got on my desk right at this moment says clicky with two exclamation marks. Fair enough. So I'm prepared to believe you. <laughs> I have that T-shirt I wore on Tuesday. Lasting well, then. you got to bear in mind I have roughly 40 geeky T-shirts and I rotate them regularly. Okay, then who's crunching? How loud is the crunching? In your head. Okay, I will mute if I'm crunching then. Uh, and if I sneeze, I apologize. Uh, my allergies have started kicking in the last couple of days. I understand that. <laughs> that time of the year. <laughs> yeah. I suffer at least 10 months of the year. I only uh, have about a month a year, so that's not too bad. The sun's just come out, so this week everyone started cutting their grass. <laughs> Seriously, people? Concrete. Much easier. Some gas. A match. That works too. Right, everybody got the file from Dropbox? Yep. Sam is staring me in the face right now. Yep. The last second of part one. He looks like Ronnie's just proposed to her. Yeah, that kind of grimace <laughs> on her face, like, ah, oh, crap. Oh, and there's big news by me. I needed to share this with Alan. Yeah, yeah. And spring 2017, just about 10 miles from where I'm staying right now, and Ikea will they'll break ground for. Ikea! It'll be the first one in Wisconsin. <laughs> Ikea. I bought a very funky laundry basket type thing. And I've just realized why there's a stiff metal frame, but a flexible canvas bag. The idea is you take the canvas bag off the metal frame and you carry that to the washing machine. You don't need to yeah. carry the metal frame as well. You detach no. the bag. Although I have one like that as well. I just wheel the little metal thing and bag to my washer and then tip it into the washer and then wheel it back. Did anyone else see um, Civil War yet? Yep. Marvel. Yes. Sorry, nope. a couple of weeks ago. Oh, God, you guys got it earlier than us. Go and see Eye in the Sky. I don't even think that's around here. I don't. I haven't heard about that one. It's Rickman's swan song. Okay. I thought it would be the sort of rah, rah, flag-waving bullshit that London has fallen is, where you get the nigh-immortal uh, Secret Service agent protecting the American president in the ruins of a half-blown-up London. You're not supposed to take them seriously, Alan. Yeah, I know, but it still pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, Especially well, it... last 45 minutes was very clearly... The ad for the video game, to the extent that it was shot from a first-person POV, some of it. <laughs> you know, they could lift the footage and drop it into the video game directly. This was, I mean, this was tense to the extent that my pulse rate was going up at several points in the movie. My fists were clenching involuntarily. Helen Mirren, Alan Rickman. Oh, okay. And about a drone and whether or not to basically strike. Okay. It shows what an utter sad and tragic loss Rickman was. Yeah. 
For me, he's always going to be the artist from January Man. Good film, that was. He was the German guy from the first Die Hard movie. Yeah. <laughs> when you've got a German bad guy, he's still a Brit. <laughs> well, yeah. We are the Rusted Robot Podcast. Lower your shields and surrender your minds. We will add your MP3 recordings and opinion on geekery to our own. We will adapt to embrace this culture. Resistance is futile. It's the bog. Commander Adama, Cybermen, Daleks, and Cylons are fast approaching. Jump gates forming in multiple sectors, and the doctor's nowhere to be found. What are we going to do? Tune into the Rusted Robot Podcast at therustedrobot.podbean.com and on the iTunes Store. For all things geekery and robots are our only hope. Oh, boy. Get rusted today. Robots. Cyborg. Androids. Oh, my. Rusted Robot. Once again, we are watching the extended cut of the episode, so this segment has no natural credit sequence. We have the video paused on Colonel Carter's face, roughly a tenth of a second before the scene cuts to the destiny, which is roughly 42 minutes and 26 seconds into the PAL Region 2 DVD version of the episode. Since this was a feature-length broadcast, Part 2 was on the same night as Part 1, so it aired in the US and Canada on the 2nd of October 2009. It aired in the UK on the 6th of October, and in Australia on the 9th of October. The episode was written by Rob C. Cooper and Brad Wright, and directed by Andy Mikita. Okay then, Alan, let's get going. All right. Ever three, ever a doe, ever a hain. Clicky. Right then, we're back. Destiny in hyperspace, or FTL, whatever you want to call it. I always like the greenhouse on top there. Senator, I'm Camille Ray. I believe as the highest ranking member of the International Oversight Ray, Advisory. Ray, you're with Human Resources. With the IOA, yes. Now this bit we didn't see, at least in the UK... Yes, the broadcast version and the extended, for obvious reasons, are different. So this is mm-hmm. where we actually learn a little bit before that Camille is IOA. Yes, and rather opinionated and very high opinion of herself. She's in HR. <laughs> <laughs> I thought strong opinions was you know required for all the IOA people. Yeah, at any level, even if you're a janitor. <laughs> but it also makes more sense with the senator about him trying to look like he's in control. When you look at the standard broadcast, the extended, he just looks like he's a senator trying to throw his weight around, but it makes a bit more sense with him talking to people, trying to reassure them. Yeah. The extended one does work a little bit better in that case. Yeah, you may you may not remember that the first episode we introduced to the senator has been one of the major backers for the Icarus project, so he is very important. Yeah. Don't touch anything that looks like it might be dangerous. How are we supposed to know what's dangerous? Becker, right? Yes, sir. I work in the mess. I mean, I did. And there's Becker. (laughs) You wondered why you got the introduction last week of the cook. (laughs) James, right? Yes, Lieutenant. You and Riley, with me. Saddle, man. Saddle. This is embarrassing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we've been intimate. Yeah, especially as there's people who obviously know what's going (laughs) on. It's like, yeah, (laughs) subtle. (laughs) Greer's pissing himself, <laughs> and he's been locked up for God knows how long, and he knows about it. So why is like... he? Why is he in charge? He's the highest ranking person currently. Yes, the colonel doesn't count because he's he's knocked out. Cerebral hemorrhage, and that was Robert's idea to have the broken glasses. Why do you think that was important? Just because the damage flying through? It's the break from the known into ease out of his depth as well. Okay, something simple as a broken pair of glasses. If you remember that Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Don't just remember what it was called, but the little guy... <laughs> Burgess Meredith, yeah. Yeah, all the books in the world and his glasses get broke. Yeah. Fortunately, mm-hmm. I need glasses, but I can still read without them. Now I'm getting to that point. <laughs> well, the thing is, it also goes to show a bit more, sort of, like, things came through the gate. It may not be intact. Yeah. And it was the same with the personnel as well. Loads sure. of people came through and Sorry. a lot were hurt. Has anyone got any good news? I think I figured out the menu system. Try to find a schematic or map. Yeah, Google Spaceship. <laughs> I'm amused by Google Spaceship. Yeah, that was a good one. food in that pack? I'm starving. No, keep working. Where are you going? To find the bathroom. Where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> that could be important. That's the first time we've seen that mentioned in the Stargate franchise, isn't it? Uh, well, sci-fi franchises. <laughs> no, they would have had heads before mentioned on uh, 
Well, BSG, yeah. SG one. I mean, was... Jack was in the was shaving doing the crossword puzzle at least once in one episode. So I mean, they showed him in a bathroom. Yeah, the changing room, showers, and whatnot. Uh, Hathor was in the shower. Now, this is interesting that the SGC or Area Fifty One have produced their own communications device. Mm-hmm. Well, given all the stuff with the Ori and going isn't to that, isn't that galaxy... her other guy? Yep, Doctor Lee, Bill. He rocked as a, a government scientist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it did. <laughs> I wonder if this is the first time Rush has used the communication stones because he looks confused. General, we apparently have a connection in the lab. Dr. Rush would like to see you. Walter, Richard Dean. Yay. I'm reporting to you from on board an ancient spaceship somewhere far beyond our... Just slow down, back up. Who's with you? Several dozen, I'm not sure, but the point is... I did it. I successfully made the connection to the 9th Chevron address. You were supposed to be evacuating non-combat personnel to Earth. This wasn't in the broadcast version, and it does give you a lot of background, because mm-hmm. in the broadcast version, Rush appears and says, I've talked to O'Neill, and I'm in charge. And you go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here, he has. And I love this. He comes across as a little puppy. He's so excited. I've done this, I've done this. Yeah. And gets a... <laughs> General O'Neill puts the boot in. <laughs> Instead of dialing up any one of a number of other planets in our galaxy, you took a bunch of unqualified people halfway across the universe! I took. And we've got the uh, BLU in the backgrounds, the blinky light units. (laughs) They're a nice framework as well. Yeah. Bigger budget, Homeworld Commander's got. And Jack's been in the SGC enough to know when he's being spun a tail. Yeah. He knows how it works. He's spun better tails than that when he has to get to the Hammond. (laughs) Jack probably planned his excuses well in advance, so they always came across as sincere. Uh-huh. Very true. Unless he just didn't care, then he made sure they sounded as insincere as hell. <laughs> yeah, made a point of that. <laughs> yeah, Rush, you're being read the right actor. Yeah, if Rush was actually there in body, he probably would have literally got a boot up the ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wouldn't be really very fair to Bill, would it? No. Which is one of the questions posed ethically-wise, or the body swapping that goes on in this series. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't mind us, Ake. You heard nothing. Cobwebs. Yeah, robots. Replicators. That's Dr. Franklin, played by Mark Burgess. We last saw him in Vegas. He was the bloke that got radiation poisoning. Rush, this is Scott. Come in. Hello. See you Where's Rush? Uh, bathroom, if you found it. And you wouldn't have thought Rush would leave his walkie-talkie anywhere. Well, he didn't want to be disturbed, and he didn't want whoever was in his body talking to people, I'd guess. Right. Yeah, good point. Probably found a nice cubbyhole to lock himself into while he was doing that. <clears throat> Give me a hand. What happened to being smart? This could be the engine room, for all we know. We gotta at least open a few doors. Do we? Do we really? Yeah, because have you considered the fact that it's not opening for a reason? <laughs> yes. I mean, Scott has said, don't go around touching anything. Right. And so, of course, he ignores his own advice, which, of course, is questions. It's just like, yeah, what about being smart? <laughs> In your management, you know. <laughs> if the door yeah. doesn't really want to be open, don't open it. Yeah, management. Do as I say, not as I do. That's also parenting 101, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It is usually bad. Granted, the ancients could use a totally different colour scheme, but yeah. better be safe than sorry, I would have thought. Well, Dr. And hold to on scheme. to something. Yeah, hold oh, on. Whoa, whoa, not good, not good. More red. But, uh... Close it! Close it now! I'm trying! More red. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. let's lose air. Okay, we established why that hatch was closed. Yeah, a lot of others are closed for the same reason. <laughs> I just I just love Eli. <laughs> I think he's probably the best character in this. We realized that before you opened it, you prat. We just found it. Hey, really? This is Dr. Rush. Meet me in the gate room immediately. Everyone. The only thing is, is why was the dome room not in red anyway? Because if that entire thing was off limits, you would have thought that the indicator would have actually had that whole bit as red. Well, yeah. But that would have been too easy, I suppose. I mean, I know Eli is supposed to be our mm-hmm. 
point of view character, so to speak, but he managed to be a totally new kind of Daniel. Oh, yeah. You physically take control of an individual at the other end. I brought these with us. In the event, we ended up somewhere out of range of normal communication. So, let's use them. Yeah. I already have. What? When? when? Are they sending help? No. Why? Why are you not sending help? The only means of dialing this gate from our galaxy was destroyed in the attack. We're cut off. I want to use one of those stones now. I have spoken with General O'Neill. I am the United States Senator. I've explained our situation clearly. In light of my knowledge and experience, he has placed me in charge. He did what? And Rush is very selective with what he says. Yeah. It was Young that grabbed this case and ended up getting seriously wounded because of it. He also made it sound like he deliberately took the case, which, of course, we know he didn't. Because that was Colonel Young that grabbed it. That's the reason why he got caught in that explosion. I want to speak to the general myself. Senator, please. Give it to him. Yeah. Very happy with this scene. This is one of the first times where they had lots of people talking all the time, talking over each other. They basically set it up and let the cameramen do what they wanted, you know, and used all the coverage to actually knit the scene together. I see now. There's no need for us all to congregate in the one place. Mr. Hansen, please find adequate accommodation for the injured. And everyone else. No, I don't recognize your authority, Dr. We have found As an IOA representative, I think you much more I think you need to please go there and stay there until you're asked to do something useful. I expect you mentioned last week that the cameramen were dressed as civilians, so that way they could mix in if they got caught on camera. So I suppose that's where this would have helped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you saw somebody's elbow, you won't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. I think he did mention that, yeah. It won't be like Battlestar Galactica, where you can literally see the cameraman in a few... <laughs> Depending on the scene in BSG, they actually were literally filming themselves during the whole thing, though. You know, for... Oh, no, there are a couple of scenes where it is the cameraman and the person behind <laughs> us support. i got to rewatch that soon. All SG personnel to follow my orders. As for the rest of you, you get out of line. We will lock you down. Now, Dr. Rush... He's right about a couple things. First off, we all have to work together. And second of all, we don't all have to stay here. So let's let's move out. Rush is very intelligent, but he does not have social skills, does he? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> a man is almost dying on the floor. Disperse people, nothing to see here. But then he'd be a good Vulcan because he's literally prioritized. It's just like, you have a few hours of air left. Are you really going to waste it? But if I were you, I would find some way to dial that gate back to Earth. These are intelligent people. They are all intelligent people. Right. But they're acting like, they are acting like paranoid, very, very scared yeah. human beings at the moment. Well, I mean, reasonable, they are very scared. They should be very scared human beings right now. Don't forget, yeah. don't forget what Terry Pratchett said. The average IQ of, the, of a crowd is the square root of its members. Thing is, this is, what, 10, 15 minutes after they've actually got there? And we have a military hunter already. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the guns. We're in charge. Any questions? <laughs> Bang. Any further questions? Thing is, it was never really established who was in the command of the Icarus base because with the SGC, the military was in control. Then, of course, with Atlantis, it was IOA who was in control but had military support. But it was never established that the Icarus base was properly military or was something of the IOA. I would expect the blueprint for command was the same as Atlantis. IOA commander, but in an emergency, the military took over. And at this point, this is an emergency. I see. I took the Icarus base as just straight up military base. That's what I took it, because otherwise you wouldn't have had Camille um, trying to take control, because it would have been established that the IOA was in control. Yeah. And they said she's only HR. She is literally HR. But no, there's never anything here that we see that shows that there's anyone above her. Because otherwise you would have thought you would have seen them in the previous episode around the dining table. Ah, ah true, yeah. He has got such a very dry delivery. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been so good if she just went, yeah. And they keep the mystery. We don't know what he did. Yeah. We do know he has a temper. Just a little bit. He must be very, very good at his job. Otherwise, I don't think any commanding officers will put up with him. Mm-hmm. Unless maybe he will ship to Icarus as a, you know, as a last chance to save his career. You'd have to be at the top of the game to start with. Yeah, to get onto the SGC personnel, you would have had to be sort of the best of the best. Ooh, hello. Oh, yeah, those things. You saw what they got put through in SG-1. Yeah. 
it wasn't your standard sort of training sort of thing. So, I wonder if they can be so selective now. I mean, the SGC and Homeworld Command have expanded so greatly. You can't really train four or five people at a time. Mm-hmm. You have to draw heavily upon uh, the established military. No, but you would have an awful lot more personnel with experience that could help train. But I suppose, especially now you've got the 304s, that the amount of crew that would have been required for them. But yeah, it might be that some positions are not highly trained as others. Yeah. It is a shame we never got the movie where the Stargate was finally revealed. Because they're getting to the point where there's so many people involved in aspects of building the ships, designing them, homeworld, military and civilian contractors. Yeah, I must admit, I did think that probably might have come when it came to Universe because of things that you see what happens in other episodes as well as in this episode. But we'll get to that. Yeah, that was the plan for the third SG-1 movie. But unfortunately, the the money, money men didn't want to uh, risk it. Well, there's also that MGM went bankrupt. Jeez! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> What is that thing? Come here, show you. Way to go, Eli. <laughs> yeah, be thankful Scott hasn't got an itchy trigger finger because I don't think ducking behind the door would yeah. have saved you. It's a, it's a camera. It's a flying camera. I'm calling it a Kino, you know? After the rush. Yeah. Okay. Well, I figure maybe we can use it to check out the damaged areas of the ship. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Where's it going now? Oh, I don't know. It's just doing its thing. But there's lots more of them. Oh, nice. He's found a toy. Uh-huh. In the commentary, they were talking about David Blue. Huge fan of Stargate SG-1 before he was cast for this. Really wanted to do the role justice, not disappoint the fans of the show. Nice. He said he knew more about some aspects of the show than the producers did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so you figured out where they keep the keynotes. What else have you figured out? This is such a clever idea as well. Yeah. Yeah, is that a PSP? <laughs> They've upgraded from the DS to the PSP, obviously. Yeah, they solved the problem as well by having, instead of having someone to automatically fly the Kino, just a simple button, press the remote control, and it follows anybody with the remote control. They said in the commentary that that saved them so much time thinking about that. Mm-hmm. It's also a nice way to have a mount without having a big bulky thing that you can't get back. Yeah, because those, those never really got any smaller over the course of the show. <laughs> there was no technical development in the mount. No, and the thing is, Atlantis, they sort of like got rid of it completely, didn't they? You know. <laughs> yeah, they did. Who wants to go through first? Good lad. Well, Let us know what it's like. Well, with Pegasus, they had to take the jumpers through a lot. So many of the gates were actually orbital gates. Yeah. It would have been useful if they'd have known it was a space gate before they went through. Well, yeah. <laughs> surely with what we've seen in the shows in the past, they can detect whether or not certain things are sort of around the gate, like radiation levels, that would indicate possibly that it's out of an atmosphere. Well, that with being on Atlantis, though, they actually had access to all the agents' full library of, this is the address, this goes here, this... They had the manual. Yeah, <laughs> which they don't have on <laughs> but, Earth. But whether or not they actually found the manual is another thing, though. What's that? Flying camera ball. I'm calling it a keynote. Don't ask. Rush, I'm... Ooh, well, pretty. It's just like, yep, geek. Ooh, yeah. gadget. That's marvellous. Comes with a remote. Thought we could use it to look around. What do you have? Oh, well, it's not so good, really. Um, these processing nodes are scrubbers responsible for cleaning CO2 from the air. Here, here, and here. It's indicating malfunction. Others are failing. It's obviously, you know, it doesn't look mechanical. It obviously is. Compare it to the little drone they had in Star Wars, you know, that were pumping out little blasts of air to keep it upright. Um, thinking more about the Icarus space, I'm thinking mm-hmm. it had to have been military because the difference with Atlantis versus, versus Icarus and, like, the uh, the other bases we've seen, if it's an IOA thing, it's an international group. Okay. Well, These are all Americans or... Canadians. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> or transplants to America, but I mean... Or, or uh, Ameridians. Yeah. Or... Well, I wonder what the American president had to give uh, the Russians and the Chinese to allow them to build Icarus. That's a good point. Yeah, I think that's clogged. Right. <laughs> yeah. When your filter looks like that, you're in big trouble. Yes, you're in very big trouble. Yeah, why don't he didn't say it's that. a very big problem first, I don't know. <laughs> because it wouldn't have sounded sufficiently dramatic. <laughs> what happened? You collapsed. We brought you here. What's going on? 
I'm not sure I've been here with you. You need to know what's happening, Chloe. This is important. Dad, I was worried about you. So it would seem my RPG has been postponed. So I'm no longer in the necklace. In the commentary, Elise was saying how surprised she was that everything about her is shiny in this scene. <laughs> her eyes, her earrings, her lips. Yeah. It hardly looks like she's been through a, a couple of hours of terrible events. Yeah, because she should have been as dusty and everything else as everybody else. She's cleaned up and everything. She was right in front of the collapse of the hallway that trapped her dad. Oh, I want to be here with you. I don't want you here, but right now I want to know what's going on. Just a little bit more. Okay, I'll be here when you get back. Given that they didn't seem to bring any water, how did she wash? Maybe uh, the gate doesn't translate dust. No, because they had it on their uniforms. Maybe there's a, a sand shower like in Tank Girl somewhere on the ship. <laughs> I like Tank Girl. I wanted Tank Girl too. I want Netflix to do a 13 episode Tank Girl TV show. <laughs> Netflix seems to be the place to go for superhero shows now. And this is where we see them starting to identify which doors are no-goes by using a bit of chalk that they found. They toyed with the idea of actually having some sort of sticky device to, well, stick to each door. They ended up just using a piece of chalk. Makes Considering sense. their supplies and their circumstances would make sense, except for the fact, where did the chalk come from? Because they had whiteboards, not blackboards. Actually, the chalk seems to be a common thing, would a reasonable thing to throw in the survival packs. Yep. Uh, yeah, could be. It doesn't really weigh anything, and it can be used for a lot of different stuff. I don't know. A couple of hours at most. Huh. Awesome. Brody, there was um, some medical-grade soda lime in the supply manifest. It never made it. And it does get used more in the series as well. Yeah. Again, David Blue, can I sit up on the rafters? Of course you can. Because unlike SG-1 Atlantis, these sets have proper roofs and proper floors, so they can film pretty much anywhere. Yeah, any angle. It's not like they're going to do an angle when there's a studio roof above it. Yeah. <laughs> With lighting. <laughs> Just the design of the sets gave them so much time saved the actual filming. Lighting, the new Genesis camera they're using, very, very strong in low-level light conditions. Yeah. Although it is a lot heavier than the other HD cameras, so the cameramen were getting a real workout. So like me, then. I'm very good in low-light conditions. <laughs> my, my vision is cast in the most literal sense. Presumably for the benefit of those who don't know any better. I mean, Rush can't help himself. He's just prickly. Yeah. Or he's just a prick. That too. You're going to beat that? Mm, probably not. And you wonder if he set that up just for that. Please. What makes you think I won't try? Really twist the knife into Scott. Make him feel guilty. Yeah, because Rush, it, Rush is projecting. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past uh, Rush knows Rush. at some non-sociopathic level he knows this is his fault. He's put these people in danger through his own scientific arrogance. He's projecting. Yeah, it's not for the greater good. It's for its own self-aggrandizement. No. Well, his own self-aggrandizement, but for the greater good of the advancement of science and knowledge. And so it doesn't matter who he kills when he does this. All for the greater good of advancement. Yep, it looks like they uh, in the kitchen. No water, no food, so it wasn't stopped. Now, this is a nice little piece of music. Looks like a shuttle. Looks like there are two shuttles attached to individual docking slaves. We're all gonna die. Shut up, Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, some of you will. This is like one of the moments I I did always wonder if this is a thing referring back to the next generation. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Can you close it? It won't close. This does add another dynamic using the Kino. We can't close it from here either. There's something wrong with the mechanism. Kinos are a really cool idea for the show. Yeah. And also something that set this series apart from the other two series. It looks like back in the day they built their shuttles a lot bigger. Oh, that's not good. I think I found the leak. Ah, so that is, that is one of the shuttles then. And since the airlock door isn't closed... Of course, it had to be an airlock door, didn't it? Yeah. Couldn't just be in a compartment... So why are you going closer to it? Well, it's not going to fail now, is it? Well, it's flickering. <laughs> it's just like, does it really look reliable? It's letting a few air molecules out. So we're boosting it? Boosting the areas we need it? We haven't found a way yet. Seems to be operating at maximum capability. Uh-oh. Okay, that may not have been. Hmm. 
Rush's expression. <laughs> Open the door! Well, that's not good. Closing the door then increased the pressure, so it actually took Deer out faster. Oh, here we go. Uh, Mike is happy now with this shot. He wants it's... to go on for longer, didn't you, Mike? It's almost as big as Atlantis. Yeah, it's a big ship. It's a pretty ship. It's a generation ship with FTL capability. It's a bizarre hybrid. Mm. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people weren't happy about the idea that every hour they were going to die of something. <laughs> you already had one. They'll find a way. That's what these people do. Well, most of these people aren't even supposed to be here. How did the airship get damaged? We don't know. It certainly looks like it's been through a battle, at least the parts we can access. But then, yeah, you go to a place like this, it's going to happen. It's one of the things that, looking back, and you see rising of Atlantis, and just like, yeah, given the situation, surely more things would have actually gone wrong when you first get there. Which they addressed when we went back in time. Yeah. Rush says if we don't get it closed, we've got just over an hour. An hour. I mean, that was a brilliantly clever idea. That Originally, Atlantis was destroyed. Mm. Yeah, now I thought that was good when they did a readdress that, and... Which is probably as much broadcast time as left in the extended episode. <laughs> Franklin's getting an awful lot of green time. Yeah. Well, a lot of extras do. You look at any show with this number of main characters and side characters, and it's very difficult to get the balance right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the only other show to do that was Lost when it came to extras. Yeah. Heartbeat is accelerated. It's getting harder and harder to breathe. As our very lives are being vented out into space. That is going to get old very fast. This needs to be documented. No one's going to see that. How do you know? <laughs> Thank you, Elon. Day one. Only I could do the big brother voice. Mm -hmm. They mentioned this scene as well. They lit it very bright to get all the detail in the set. Mm -hmm. And then you fully corrected it in the, in the editing debate. If you look in the background, those panels, they look very much like some of the designs that you saw on the Gorwald ships, which made me mm -hmm. think that maybe that's where some of the ghoul designs came from because as we know the ghoul stole from other races so they found technology from the ancients and they use that design in the ships that they then built that's possible makes sense yeah mm. even the floor work has kind of a edging on the some of the stuff and then you've got the side panels with the lights which look a little bit like what you see in atlantis so it, it really does have that sort of mix of the different times that we've actually seen from the different series so far doesn't take any special skills to die from asphyxiation. Look, what I'm saying is, it shouldn't be someone with potentially valuable knowledge. All our abilities we might need to help us survive beyond this. Well, are you really suggesting what the I think? people on this ship already want to kill you. Thank you, Eli, again. <laughs> We've seen so many things going wrong. They actually said they thought mm. this episode was cursed. Mm. When they were editing it, state-of-the-art editing suite kept crashing. The software had no problem with any other program they were editing, only SGU. <laughs> they took it into colour timing, and a piece of software that hadn't crashed for over a year crashed. <laughs> they took the second-day audio mix to Sharp Sound, who do all the uh, sound effects editing. Their software crashed. This program puts the production bounds at every aspect. Camille's explaining the situation to everyone on board. I'll do it. Well, that's very brave of you, Young. Some major stars got to die in the first episode, at least. Right. Mm -hmm. But it gives you a, an insight into what he's thinking, because the fact that he's already willing to give up, whereas with Rush, it's just like, right, who is the least important who should do this? Yeah. I, I don't want someone sacrificing themselves for me. I say we figure this out together while we still have time, or we all die trying. I want you to both listen to me. It needs to be done, and I'm doing it. <laughs> Sir, you can barely stand. Help me. Look, the, the paralysis is temporary. Help you me. know that now. You will recover. Lieutenant, I need your help. No, sir. I gave you an order. I know. You can have me court-martialed when we get home, but I am not... Let me go and kill myself. Rush was definitely always kind of uh, categorizing everyone in his head as far as who was bendable and who wasn't. Yeah. We saw in the last episode that the colonel was already in a bad state from when he sort of had the flashback with his wife where he sort of collapses and obviously things aren't going well for him and yeah he's obviously in a place where he doesn't really want to be there that statement where he literally just says i will do it that you can see that he's given up he's got a gun oh hello i don't want to shoot you i don't think you want to shoot me get out of the way just give me a little more time let me try and fix this. I don't have much. 
How unlike we don't know much about Andrea, but for <laughs> someone to get the drop on him. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's not the sort of thing you're expecting someone to do. It's yeah. a ship that's leaking air. You're not really expecting someone to come around the corner saying, "I'm going in, get out my way, <laughs> or I'll shoot you." Yeah, we've had so much uh, airtime with Franklin, and you're expecting him to get shot at him right here now. He is looking half dead right now. The makeup's really good. If this was Walking Dead, I'd be really worried. <laughs> yeah. He's pale. This is far, far, far too upbeat for Walking Dead. <laughs> well, go on, Stan. It's a shoot him. He failed to do what he ordered. Typical politician not keeping his promises. You can tell with Greer, they can see what needs to be done. Yeah. yeah. Greer understood what he was doing and why he was doing it. Yeah. Only thing is, you're in a situation where everything is limited. Why not just say, OK, give me your watch, give me your tie, and so give me your clothes we may need them because like his tie for example could be used as a sling and yeah, there's good meat on that leg yeah <laughs> so surely it's just like okay we'll get so all the why kids out. is there a window aside from dramatic purposes in that airlock airlocks always have windows yeah. come on check for proper seals check something's docking right yeah please open the door there's nothing I can do from here Okay, they really are twisting the knife here. This is the emotional scene. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to have tears in your eyes right now. I don't. I don't, yeah. I know you don't. <laughs> but I refuse to watch Molly and Me, just in case. <laughs> I just refuse to watch it because it looks like a bad movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was nearly in tears when I, tears when I was watching John Wick. <laughs> I was shocked by the level of brutality they showed in that at the beginning. But then it got cheerful at the end because everyone died. <laughs> Thank you for spoiling a movie I haven't seen. Yeah, I didn't spoil anything. It's an action revenge thriller. A lot of people die. Along the lines of Taken? Yeah. Yeah. I don't recall which old it was, but they were second half Taken. You know, you gotta, yes. They made three of those things. you got to wonder at some point, is he just a bad father? Chloe. Chloe! Well, at least he bought us a day. Whoa! Just like, huh? What's happening? <laughs> he, he doesn't know what to do. What do I do? Do I grab her? Do I not grab her? Do, do I start filming? The thing is, he, even now, so he's just surprised. The look on his face. He's done so well. Well, yeah. I mean, Chloe's been the perfect mild-mannered young woman. Miss Armstrong, you're in shock. Believe me. Be careful, Rush. Yeah. Everyone deals with tragedy in different ways. You're looking for someone to blame. I'm not looking! <laughs> She's fine, she, yeah. Um, actually, she said, the actress, Elise, said this was one of the most emotional and physical demands that she'd had to do and found it very challenging. And he certainly wouldn't have been my choice. But, but you, you must realise, none of this was my fault. Yes, it was. Totally your fault. <laughs> she said that she felt terrible having to beat up poor old Bobby. He was a trooper and insisted that I go for it. <laughs> she said the funny part was I was probably more bruised after that scene than he was. <laughs> they got very lucky with the casting. I mean, they said Robert Carlyle was at the top of their pick list for Rush. You know, the studio wanted a big name. When they actually approached him, he said he was surprised a sci-fi show wanted him. They explained the premise. He wanted to do it. Robert on board brought in, you know, some higher ranking actors for auditions and whatnot. But they had to uh, actually employ some younger actresses and actors. And Elise here, she really, really hit the ball out of the park. Mm -hmm. She probably hasn't done anything as good. Cedar Cove was... Yeah. Yeah, she was in Cedar Cove, but that was just a, a lightweight family drama. She's been in, in the originals where she played a witch again. I, I thought Cedar Cove was a vampire supernatural thing. No. What was that then? Originals is a vampire. No, a but uh, there was a werewolfy thing in... Netflix original. Uh, I don't know. I it was the place name. And this from Rush, it's frightening how he changed tack. Again, we don't know his full background. We've seen the picture of his wife where he broke down. We know some tragedy in his background. He must be drawing on that. Uh, no, actually, I think he's just manipulative. No, I'm not saying he's, he's drawing on it genuinely. He's faking yeah. sincerity. No one gave their life in vain. Okay, next. <laughs> Gets his notebook out. Tick. <laughs> Right after SG Universe, Chloe was in Slumber Party Slaughter as Nadia. <laughs> Two episodes of the Transporter series. And something called Fishing Naked, which I must confess I'm curious about. Sounds interesting. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. 
I think you'll like it, Mike. <laughs> Fishing Naked is a film about four young adults being bad in the woods. They pull Bigfoot hoaxes, scare tourists, disrespectful elders, hook up, and smoke dope. Told from the small town perspective of having to deal with annoying tourists from the city. A friend of mine said it was okay. Um, you didn't see anything. It was a shame. <laughs> oh. That's half the reason for watching it. <laughs> well, if that's the case, watch Zombie Beavers. <laughs> Zombie Beavers. It's a brilliant film. It really is. I saw... I noticed last night that iZombie Season 2 has popped up on Irish and British Netflix. Uh, yeah, I still haven't watched that yet. It's good. It's very, very good. But I won't spoil the funny thing I saw in episode 13. Spread the word. Try to keep things as positive as you can. I can do that. Good. I like this scene. It actually shows that he's not a complete jerk. <laughs> this is a great show for the giving us the characters, the giving us a little mm-hmm. bit of information. You can draw your own conclusions, and half the time you're going to be wrong. Uh. With the previous shows, you got a lot of action. There's a nice story, but the characters... Very rarely did you get so much character death in any of the series. It usually took sort of several years before you really started getting some of these characters in depth. Yeah. Whereas when it came to universe, it's there from the very beginning. Yeah, because I mean, we like had one Jack episode, one Daniel episode, one Sam episode each season, and over the ten seasons we got to know them. Yeah. Well, you could argue that we learnt more of Jack's character from the movie rather than the TV series. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because they, they used his background right there for that terrible third episode with the blue crystals. It's one of my <laughs> least favorite episodes. He always had time to listen to me. I'd go on and on. He never preached. He never told me what to do, even though sometimes I wished he would. I think it was Andy McKeater in the commentaries that he said he wasn't happy with how this scene came out. Did he give a reason? I, d- I don't recall. I'm, I've been a bit rushed this week, and I listened mainly to the cast commentary for this. Two commentaries again. Lots of extras on the DVD or Blu-ray. Awesome bridge view they had there, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God. My mom. He was her whole life. She probably thinks we're both dead. All I know is that he wanted you to go on. I know. But I gotta get back to the search. You can be okay. I don't know. Fair enough. I mean, you're absolutely right. There's nothing like this in Stargate SG-1 or Atlantis. It does slow the episode down, but full of character and notice this scene ends exactly how it began with the same shot that's a big green screen <laughs> Eli what what are you doing looks like he's having a quiet moment all to himself I just watched a man die so fuck oh, <laughs> lad. we got math to run Let's start computing <laughs> yeah you're my organic calculator don't you even care? I mean, this would be a very good relationship mm-hmm. if Rush became the mentor of Eli. I think he finds Eli a bit soft, infuriating. Yeah, soft, infuriating. But there's a. I'm, oh my god, I'm going to say it. Had a one. I think there's also the fact that he always comes across as a little bit threatened by Eli yeah. due to the fact that he was able to figure a lot of this stuff out so quickly and so easily. Yeah, and he realised it was a, a code, not a gate address yeah found anything destiny as in ours the name of the ship translated from ancient I've also discovered that they were never here I thought this was an ancient ship it is but they sent it out unmanned planning to use the gate to get here when it was far enough out into the universe. But they probably learned to ascend before that time. Learn to what? Ascension. It's a process whereby consciousness converts to energy that no longer requires physical form. I wasn't in the video. On the person, surely. But they still 
rigged it up with full kitchen and everything, which is kind of weird. I mean, the whole Destiny mystery, never fully explained, but it's like sending out uh, supply ships for a Mars mission. We'll, you know, we'll send them out over a number of years, and when we're finally ready to go, everything will be there when we need it. And the thing is, is that any stocks that they've got, a bit like these protection basements and things like that, they've got stores of food that are dried. I'd like to see the Nicholas Rush video. <laughs> Oi, listen. Sure. Yes, it's an eight-symbol address. You mean you can dial this thing back to Earth? There's no point of origin indicated, but still, there's only 36 symbols on this gate. I'm assuming the ninth symbol represents some X-factor distance equation. Well, I don't care. Start dialing. Sir, so don't we want to bring Dr. Rush in on this? Well, you said this wasn't that hard to find. No. Well, then he probably already knows and didn't tell us. Who is this Lucian Alliance, anyway? Where did that come from? In a way, it's all quite military, his thinking, because it's like, there's a job to do, the greater scheme of things. Like, a leader is just like, no, we've got to save everybody, save the ship. Yeah. It's not just about one, I've got to carry on. How'd they find out about Icarus? Wasn't it supposed to be, like, double secret? I suspect there was a leak somewhere. Someone working on the inside. Daft question, son. Probably watching us right this second. There's a bit of exposition for anybody not totally familiar with I'm really curious how many people started watching this show who weren't already watching one of the first two shows. I'd say there was a, a reasonable amount who maybe always considered SG-1 and Atlantis a bit lightweight. Mm. Wanted something a bit more serious. You know, like the Expanse at the moment. Yeah. This ship is a source of untold power? No, no, no. Literally. It's more to do with what it's doing. The information it's capable of gathering. If you know how to use it. Yeah. That's what you're after, isn't it? Why you risked everything to get here. You think this ship is going to make you all powerful? Or something crazy like that? Is he secretly filming Nicholas Rush? <laughs> you, you imagine that in a documentary or something. You're like... <laughs> it's a good idea, though. You, you could record this and play it to everybody else, and then we wouldn't have to explain it. Right. With a properly skilled team to pursue this mission as intended. Why wouldn't I want to do that? Yeah, Rush has got his idea of what Destiny is all about pretty much right from the word go. I can say Rush is a ghoul. <laughs> yeah. Don't even need a symbiote. <laughs> ah, the red, little red light was on. Yeah. You saw that. It's not too bitty light. I like how the music picked up. Something's going to happen. Oh, no, 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 no. What? Someone's dialing the gate. The Sci-Fi Channel did a number of little webisodes about the Kino. And Eli gets a little bit, crosses a few too many boundaries where, where he sends it. <laughs> I haven't seen those yet. By the way, Eli's 21, 22. Uh, about that. Yeah. Any of us that wasn't a complete knob at that age? <laughs> yes, but what are you doing? We're trying to dial Earth. That would be a mistake. Or Ali thinks he's found the address for home. His understanding of ancient is marginal at best. With respect, Doctor, I know enough to recognise a reference to Earth. Only thing is, if Rush thought this was so urgent to tell them to stop dialing the gate, why didn't he use the radio? Yeah. It's obvious because they wanted this whole scene in front of the gate, but at least start shouting at him as he runs down. It's much more such an urgency to it with the gate spinning behind them. Yeah. They're in FTL, so there is no home address. They're moving too fast. Even if it doesn't work, people aboard this ship need to see us at least try. So what, you're going to drain what little power we have for the sake of morale? How ridiculous. Shows his contempt. Right from the word go, the animosity between the two characters. Mm. What was that? Of course, as soon as they go out of FTL, they do the little scene where you actually see the countdown clock start. Yeah. First time round, it's not notable until points it out in a minute. Well, a nice bit of continuity to have in there. Mm. Colonel, it looks like we've dropped out of FTL. Because we were draining power? No, no. If I'm right... The gate should begin to dial any moment. Yeah, again, another problem with the rush. He doesn't spread the information around enough. No. No, he... He could have brought the main characters up to speed. The ship detected a Stargate on a planet within range that may have what we need. What? How the hell are there even Stargates out here? The ancients sent out a number of unmanned ships ahead of this one. They're programmed to gather data and resources... To manufacture stargates and deposit them in habitable worlds. Any relevant information is relayed back here to help plot the course. And if he actually shared some of this information, that'd generate trust. Yeah. And that's probably what Young really needs. But again, 
you've got a few hours. Are you really going to keep stopping to tell people everything that you've found when you're doing multiple searches? But even uh, let them know that they're going to get to planets, they can find supplies on, maybe. Yeah, well, as I said in the commentary for last week's episode, Rush conceals information outright that would make Tia proud. There's <laughs> <laughs> one way to find out. Sir, you can't do that. We have no idea what's on the other side. We can use the Kino to find out. I expect that's the purpose of this device. That was whole new Kawush they created for Stargate Universe. Right, that's you through it then. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Alan. <laughs> it makes so much sense, doesn't it? Still say it makes lots noise. It moves quicker than the mouth does, too. Yeah, more sensors. It was filmed, uh, well, not filmed as such, but created at a thousand frames per second. Zoom. Looks like four other addresses came up here, too. There could be other planets within range. Maybe we should think about dialing them up. And no, no, no. They're locked out. The ship chose this one. Stargate is open. All we have to do is step through. There's a beach. <laughs> Still can't stop staring at the puddle. It's just so pretty. It is, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, the original puddle was just a standard definition on film, like, so they had a lot of problems throughout Atlantis and SG-1. Different houses would do the different puddles, and they'd always look slightly different. Here, they made a decision. The puddle is going to look the same all the time. Hmm. They even wanted to bring more focus on the Stargate. They thought during Atlantis, a lot of episodes, you know, the, the existence of the gate wasn't important. Yeah, there were whole episodes you never even saw the gate in Atlantis. Of course, in the background, you see Eli just taking photos and recording everything. With his phone. Yeah. Not with the Gino now, with the thing with phone. Which obviously is going to run out of power. What? You don't think I can handle it? He's going. I've been off world before. I've made a habit out of pulling our asses out of the fire. Eli, you want to go? You're going. <laughs> yeah. Wow, he's done it twice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do I too? Not bad. <laughs> and they were trying to figure out why they could send Eli on this mission. They wanted him there, the writers. Had to figure out why. And they realised, of course, the whole point of this show is that everybody's got to push past their own boundaries. Everybody's got to see what they can do. At some point, everybody's got to go off-world. Everybody can say, you may have been a cook. Are you going to be any good as a hunter or a gatherer? Things like that. I want everyone clear that Scott is in charge of this mission. Let's gear up. Let's find whatever supplies we have and move out. There's no point having people sitting on Destiny just fiddling or, you know, folding paperclips or something. Mm -hmm. Right. But they need to have enough people in Destiny to bring out new actors every so often to... <laughs> that you don't notice death. that they're new. Right. Yeah. I've been in that corner for the last six months. You just haven't seen me. He is already, he's looking an awful lot better. Yeah, he was ready to die half hour ago. Couldn't walk, but yeah, all of a sudden he's standing up straight. You would have thought they would have got him portraying at least... Energy can come back the other way. Can't air. <laughs> Wouldn't we be refreshing the oxygen by having the gate open? But no, because it's one way, so to speak. I think it's something simple. Matter needs to be reconstituted. Energy doesn't. Think there could be dinosaurs? Anything's possible. How cool would that be if that was a homage to Firefly? We'll be back, sir. Good luck. For some strange reason, the extended version of the episode doesn't have this extra sequence at the end. And once again... Eli takes a breath before he walks through the gate. Oh, you've got to love it. Rush walks up to the gate, pauses, looks back at Young, waits for the go, and you wonder what's going through his mind. Ah, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you were lost, weren't you? You weren't watching the counter. I was watching the counter, just like closely enough. Did you pick a deliberately dramatic moment to cut off at? No, that's where it cuts. <laughs> yeah, you go through the gate and that's where it finishes. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed that. Right for you. <laughs> yeah, it might have been a mistake. We probably could have done two episodes. <laughs> I have. My RPG thing's back on, people are waiting. Well, you knew you were going to record it, I Don. Did. Yes, but I figured we'd be an hour. Yeah, I, your message when it came through, I was unfortunately awake at 5.30 in the morning, my time. Mm -hmm. And I saw him like, oh, he wants to record later. Cool, I get to sleep in. Oh, but I have stuff going on later, so I can't be too much later. <laughs> so you, you got cheerful, then you got depressed, and you got cheerful again, yeah. and depressed again. 
And never really quite fell back asleep again after that either. I know that feeling. Uh, still early. You beat me anyway. I eventually went to sleep at five. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Okay then, we've got some feedback from Mac over our Google Plus page. He's been threatening to send in some Stargate Universe messages for a while. So, here he goes. Alan is reading the message. Hi. Firstly, thank you for continuing to the end of Stargate. And Universe, not much longer to go. Well, let's get down to it. Air Part 1. An interesting start to a new show. Love the visuals. Jaw-dropping, to say the least. Now the issues. Some dude cracks the code you've needed solving for a while, cracks it, and then you show up at his house and then beam him to space. Even for Americans, that's just stupid. Secondly, this is a military vessel. Let the bloke put some trousers on first. Thirdly, what type of son who has a sick mother who doesn't have adequate health insurance not have a job flipping burgers or any type of job to help her live? They only paint Eli in a great light at the start of this episode. So let's move on to the ship the Hammond. The ship is built after Atlantis is back on Earth and after SG-1 beat the Ori. It should have the latest shields and weapons on it, at the very least drones. Now for the base. It's a base, yay, same old boring but practical military base. The planet it's on, hmm, that's a weird choice. But it has the power requirements, doesn't Atlantis? And let's not forget the giant elephant in the room, excuse the language, the f***ing giant supergate with unlimited power. But forgetting all that, the planet explodes, not a great thing is it? 1.5 billion for the planet just to explode. Now back to the Hammond, three ships, sorry, small attack ships, drop out of hyperspace. This should have been easy for the Hammond. Point with beam weapons and shoot three times. I hated this. It wound me up for treat for a week. Why would the USAF let a spaceship out of dry dock before it had beams in them? For story, you could have had them plant a megabomb which would stabilise the car, which would have made more sense. Sorry, back to the base. The ninth address is connected. The colonel goes off to rescue people. When it starts sending supplies there, only supplies, they would have had a lot more to use if they got their arses in order. So that'll do for this week. Although a lot of show got on my tits to start with overall, I loved it. More lengthy feedback next week. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Alan, and thank you very much, Mac. Always appreciated. So, yeah, when you look at it, Eli may indeed have all the love in the world for his mother, but staying at home playing online games is not a flag waver for a dedicated son, intent on making sure his mum has the best medical care that can be provided, given their income and any insurance. It did, however, make a good argument for allowing him to beam away from that life without too much guilt. As for the Hammond, yes indeed, she should have been more than capable of handling three Lucian Alliance attacks and gliders. The 304 would have been the most advanced the US Air Force had at that time, but plot demanded a failure to defend Icarus base, even if the writers were a little vague why that planet was so essential, given the power sources you mentioned you mentioned earlier, but anything can be justified. I have to agree that I can overlook the plot issues, because taken as a whole this was a great episode, and part of a fantastic three-part opener for the series. Once again, cheers Mac. Thoughts and opinions from any of our listeners on Stargate Universe and any of the episodes we've covered so far. If you do want to get in touch with us, here is the contact information. We know there has been some interesting offering feedback for our coverage of Stargate Universe, and we're really looking forward to receiving that. But don't forget, you can comment on any of our episodes or anything from Stargate as a whole. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the characters and episodes, etc. If you do fancy getting in touch with us, then you can do so via the contact form, which is on our website, which is at gatecast.co.uk. Or you can send us an email using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Google Plus and are carried on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio. You'll find all the links on our website. If you have a minute, then a rating or review on either of those services would be most welcome. The standalone RSS feed, which lists every episode we've released, can also be found on our website under Mission Reports. That link can be copied and manually added to a podcatcher, and will give you direct access on that device to all the shows, unlike iTunes, which only lists the previous 25. Right then, let's wrap up. That was Air Part 2. Steve, Jeff, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me come back on again. Do you want to give a bit of contact information? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at IamWooz, I-A-M-W-O-O-Z. Simple and sweet. And people can find me at Midnight Shadow 7, and that's night spelt N-I-T-E, and the number 7. Go on, give us a list of all the podcasts you do. For Holosuite Media, <laughs> I we have. <laughs> yeah. For Holosuite Media, I'm on Tribbles and Ecstasy, um, Frack Stars. For Trek FM, I'm on Trek News and Views. 
and I also help out with some productions for Busy Little Beaver, which is the G&T show, um, book club, sometimes I guess on Straight Out of Gallifrey. Yeah, there's uh, some other ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Alan needs to go. Easier to name the episodes you're not on. <laughs> hey, I like to get around. <laughs> that is A Part 2 concluded. Next week, A Part 3. Even if we can get the life support working, we don't have much food and water. The solution's here. You have 12 hours. Do you sound like you need my help here? If we continue this pace, we're going to die out here. Shoot him. Why did you do that? Saved his life. By shooting him? Stargate Universe, an original series. Okay then, folks. We'd love to hear what you think. Let us know. But until then, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. I've been Jeff. And I've been Steve. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.